Good morning. Are you well? Who's had a good week? Couple. Two of you. I've had a really, you know, on these kind of weeks where you think, oh, Lord, please, will you just return? <laughs> just come on. Had sats this week. You know, Rebecca um, started GCSEs this week. Um, I'm taking a residential tomorrow for 110 children for the week, and I'm preaching. And then yesterday, I did something really clever. I thought, I'll sync my two hard drives, which means that I'll make them look the same. And I synced them the wrong way, so it deleted the sermon. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But I had the slides on somewhere else that I'd sent to Al earlier, so um, we'll just see what the Lord's got. Shall we stand? Just want to stand for a second. You see, we all, we all want to be great people, don't we? Nice, good people. Can you sit down, though, if you found this week you might have been a bit unloving to somebody? Maybe in your heart you've, you've one or two, you thought, you know, actually, I'm not very happy with the way you... Some wives are going, you can sit down. <laughs> Sit down if you've not been joyful this week, if you've kind of found yourself not being as joyful as perhaps you'd like. Oh, we've got some um, staunch, yeah. Oh, (laughs) sit down if you've not had the peace this week, a complete peace, where you felt quite a little bit of turmoil this week. No? Okay. Uh, Let's go straight for the end. Sit down if you've had no self-control to read your Bible every day for 12 hours. (laughs) See, we we just get rid You see, we all do things, don't we, that we know we shouldn't do. We don't mean to do it, but sometimes we slip into into habits, into into ways that we know are contrary to what God would want. We know that, don't we? But you see, God doesn't want that. God doesn't want you or me or his church to live in ways that aren't contrary to his will. And actually being a disciple of God isn't about kind of turning up on a Sunday or what we wear or, or anything like that. What it is, it's about being somebody who follows God's direction in our life. Are led by him, submitting to his will continuously in our lives. Now, if that was me all the time, then surely I wouldn't be acting in a way that's contrary to his will. Has anybody, I mean, I was saying earlier on, years ago, it wasn't that long ago, but it feels years ago, we'd have brought a book in now, wouldn't we? We would have said, I've got a book that I've read, and we'd, we'd hold up a book now, wouldn't we, and say, this is the book that I've just bought and I'm reading, and now it's a case of saying, this is the book that I'm reading on my iPad or my iPhone, but has anyone heard of Simon Sinek? Start with why. He's brilliant. He's a really, really thought-provoking gentleman, and he beckons us to ask the question, not what are we doing, or how are we doing it, but why are we doing it? What's the purpose? Why is it that I'm doing this? And I was really challenged, I've read it a couple of times, I was challenged in my spiritual life, thinking, why am I living like this? And Paul asks us the same question. Paul continuously wants his, his, his listeners to, to ask the same question, and say, why am I behaving like this? And ultimately it's because I'm living for Christ. That's why. I'm behaving in this way. I'm living in this way. I'm modeling um, a Christ-like behavior for one reason, because I'm living for Jesus Christ. Paul says if we live contrary to that, we live in the flesh. And that's not the earthly skin that we're given, but it's the, the sinfulness and the weaknesses that we're given. It's those things in our life that we do that we know 
I think, breaks God's heart. It's contrary to his will. And he says that when we do those things, we get bound into a sinful life. And our world around us, let's be honest, I think there's a tide of evil that's just sweeping across our nations at the moment. And I do believe with all my heart God's church needs to stand firmly in the foundation of Scripture and turn that tide back. You see, that means, though, that we've got to be living for Christ. We've got to be firmly fixed upon him and him alone because he set us free. It says in that passage that was read to us, I don't know why I'm I'm opening this because I haven't got my glasses on. I can't see anything. It's all blurred. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Stand firm. You've been set free from the slavery of sin and now you have a choice. You can live that life or you can be set free or you can live a life that's bound in the slavery of the world's sin. I know which one I want to do. You see, for me, being set free means I want to live for Christ. I want to live for him and for him alone. I don't want to be bound by the things of the world that actually separate me from Jesus. And so I've got to actively make a choice to take hold of those things. It says in Scripture, we're to seize those things in our mind when they come in, we're to seize them. And we're to say, not in Jesus' name. It's not going to happen. I want to reflect the grace and glory of God. See, I believe the closer we come to Jesus, the closer that we draw alongside him, the closer that we are to Scripture, the, the, the longingness in our hearts to follow him, we start to reflect his glory. Don't you want to be people in your workplace, in your home life, that where others go, there's something different about them? I, I, you know, most of you know I'm, we're hoping to go back into full-time stipendary ministry. And it would break my heart if I went to somebody in my school and said, I'm thinking I'm going back into become a church leader. And they said, oh, really? I didn't realize you were a Christian. It, it would really break me if they said, I had no idea. We want to be different people, don't we? Stand out with a light in darkness. And I think the way we do that is we focus on God. We keep the eyes of our hearts and all that we are focused on God. See, for me, I don't just want to stand here and say, um, aim for the fruit of the Spirit. You'll all be better people. Just go and be joyful. Go on. (laughs) Be patient. And we've all had sermons preached at us, and I'm guilty of preaching them, where we turn and say, go and be more joyful in the Lord. And you go, yay, (laughs) I don't want to be. But we don't want that. What I want us to be is changed from the inside out, to focus on God. And when we focus on God, we want to be more Christ-like. When we want to be more Christ-like, the Spirit of God dwells in our hearts. As the Spirit of God dwells in our hearts, we start to change our life for him. We start to walk in the spirit. Now, Paul contrasts. He he has a list here of things that are of the flesh. And it's not a tick list. It's not a list of, oh, I don't do that, so I'm okay. Uh, Oh, I did do that one. I don't do that one. It's about challenging us to say, are we living a life that reflects God? And then he, he has a contrasting way. He says, are we living a life that bears the fruit of Christ, the fruit of the spirit? And it's not a tick list. It's not, well done. 
well done. Mike gives you a certificate and you have a picture taken with him, standing going, it's not that type of thing. It's about transformational change in our lives. It's about actually becoming the people that God's calling us to. You see, it says the fruit of the Spirit, not fruits. We're called to all of these. All these characteristics. It's not like I can turn around and go, oh, you know, don't want to be patient. I'll, I'll just tip X that bit out. Ooh, got to put up with that. I'm not having that. doesn't work like that. Christ says, actually, it's a package. I want you to live a life that's different. We're going on to look at the gifts of the Spirit later in the series, and, and that is individualized. And we all have different gifts given to us by God, but we are all called to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the world tells us we can just be a better person, doesn't it? You go into any bookshop and there's, there's bookshelves of better pe- how to be better, you know, how to be a better person, how to, to change your life, how to do this, how to do that. But I think they only give a superficial change. Every single New Year's Eve, people, people all around the world will make New Year's resolutions and try and be a kinder person, try and be a more generous person, try and be a more faithful person or a loving person. But it's superficial. It doesn't have that transformational change in their hearts. I've been there. I'm going to be more loving. That's my my decision, more loving. Pat a bit more loving. I will try and be more loving. And I get in my car and I drive more lovingly. And I see someone and they go, please let me in. I go, of course you may come in. Because I'm loving you today. <laughs> you tell people. I drive a little bit further and I see another car pulling in. I go, you can come in as well. Oh, second car. Hang on. No, I will still love you in the same way. You may come in. I get up to the third, another junction, and one car comes in. I love you. Second car, I kind of love you. Third car, whoa. <laughs> now you're pushing it now. So you'll get a little beep of my horn. Huh? A little bit further on, you get more pushing in. And then you get the worst of it, where it goes into, into a single lane. Ah, but the person who knew it was going into a single lane 800 yards down the way, he didn't, look, she could, you do that. He didn't pull in when I pulled in. No, he left it to the last metre. But I'll be loving. Wind down my window whilst my wife shouts at him. (laughs) See, if we're not careful, it's superficial, isn't it? It's all superficial. But I don't want that sort of change, and God doesn't want that sort of change. He wants deep transformational change. But it comes, it flows from who we are. And I I really believe that the only way that that happens is we look to God. We don't look to the fruit. Don't make the fruit of the Spirit the thing that you attain to to grasp hold of. Make Christ the thing that you grasp. Because I believe that when we grasp and we hold on to God, then we, we long to be closer to him. And as we long to be closer to him, we are changed by him. And as we're changed by him, we suddenly then become more Christ-like. You know, I want my grip on Christ to be firm. And so every time I feel in my life I'm not being loving, I'm not being joyful, I'm not being peaceful, I've got to look back to the cross and look back to Jesus because he resonates that truth. And so love, God is love, isn't he? We know that. Scripture tells us that. If you're feeling that you're unloved or you're feeling broken or you're feeling weak, then let me tell you the cross of Christ points out the love of Jesus for you. And if you need to display that love, then look to the cross. 
Because there's no greater love than Jesus laying down his life for you. And so as we come and we find that love, we demonstrate it. And we find a joy. As I was praying about this, I was reminded of the prodigal son and the way that the father stands joyfully as the son comes back. The father who's gone out day after day searching for his son and he sees his son and he joyfully rejoices at his son coming back. And I was reminded and God said, Pat, I am so joyful over you. I love you to bits. My heart bounces with joy. It's a theological term I'm going to teach you now. Okay, it's not Greek, but it's a deep theological term. God's heart goes hoppity hop. <laughs> Every time he thinks about you, he, he rejoices over you. He loves you. And so when we know that joy, when we know that the creator of the world is joyful over us, suddenly our joy spills out. And then the peace You know, Jesus says, my peace I give you. He doesn't say to me, Pat, go out and find peace. Just go and be more peaceful. And I go and sit in a room, and it's still churning up inside. He says, my peace I give you. And that's the peace that we're to find. If you've got something in your heart that's stirring, and it's keeping you awake, and you're wrestling with it, then I want to say look to the cross because the cross shows Jesus' peace demonstrated for you. Because if it were me, I'd have been hurling insults at people and I'd have been, get me down from this cross. But Jesus had a peace deep down because he knew that it was a sacrifice for salvation. And so if you're struggling in your heart today with something in your life then know the peace of God. Because peace for me means that I can trust in him. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans for you. And so it's about trust. Trusting God. And then having patience with that trust. God's teaching us as a family some real patience at the moment. And it's a hard place to be, isn't it, when you're in the waiting and you're going, Lord, where are you? But God keeps saying, be patient, I'm with you. And then I was reminded of, of Israel and the way Israel continuously in the story of, of, of Israel, they come to God and God embraces them and then they turn away and then they come back and God embraces and they turn away. How patient is God? And what I love, I, this was amazing, I'd not actually seen this before, but it says in Acts... Um, Acts 13, 18. Uh, He endured their conduct for about 40 years in the desert. And in the ESV it says, he put up with them. (laughs) I just love the fact that God endures. He puts up sometimes with what Pat Nesbitt does. God's patient. And if you need more patience in your life, then seek the cross. Seek God. Seek his patience. His kindness, kindness refers to, to God's goodness. His loving kindness poured over us. And this is God's provision to us. And, and sometimes I struggle because it's like, Lord, you know, help me be kinder to people. But actually, it's quite a difficult situation, Lord. So I'm struggling with this. And then I'm reminded of how kind God is to me. And then that kindness comes to me. And then God says, now flow it out to others. 
in kindness and loving goodness be the gospel? Have you ever had people come up to you and you're not quite sure why they come up to you to talk to you, but they want to talk because you're, some, you're, you're somehow different from other people? Well, this week I had somebody come up to me and completely out of the blue in the workplace and just start talking to me because he was going to see a, a family member who was dying and he wanted to talk to me about God and how where this man had found faith and, and this, this gentleman I was working with just couldn't understand it. And he wasn't coming to me because... I was a work colleague. It's because he knew that the, the gospel was there. The goodness and the kindness of God. And the only way we can do that is, is knowing the faithfulness of God. God is so faithful. All the way through scripture, God says, you know, I'll never leave you. I just will not leave you. I will not forsake you. I will not turn away. Sometimes I feel, I feel like I'm walking and, and it's, it's getting harder and harder. And, and every time that it seems to get harder, I hear God's word say, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. When I did the Alpha course all those years ago, they never told me it would be a hard journey. I must have missed that, that talk. <laughs> but what they did tell me is the faithfulness of God. If you need to know God's faithfulness, then look to how faithful God is in your life. Look to how much he loves you and the promises of truth in scripture and the gentleness of God. You know, I was thinking just before, there are some times in our lives when I think, God doesn't give me what I deserve. Do you understand what I mean by that? There are some times, I think, where God must look at me and go, Oh, and breathe. <laughs> you know the way sometimes in your own house, those of you who have children that might do one or two things, you're not there yet, just wait. <laughs> Slam doors and things like that, and you go, and breathe. <laughs> it's okay. But I feel sometimes God's like that with me. That gentleness that goes, I love you, and I'll treat you as a loving child. And I'll embrace you. That's what God's like in our life. That gentleness that loves us and draws us closer to him. I remember many years ago, one of the children doing something. And they didn't mean to do it. They, they broke something. They genuinely didn't mean to do it. And there was a point where they thought they were going to get told off. I remember very clearly stepping into the room thinking there's two ways this can go. I can either shout at them or I can love them. Do you know actually what they broke wasn't that, it wasn't that serious really. And I chose to say, it's all right, come here. You didn't mean it. And they were like, I'm sorry. I said, it doesn't matter. It's done. It's done. That's what God's like with us. It's done. Do you know how I know it's done? The cross is empty. And then self-control. You know, guys, the greatest demonstration of self-control was on the cross. Because if that was me, you'd all be in trouble. 
Because if I could command the legions of armies, of angels, to come down and pull me from the cross and end it, there's no way I'd have, I'd have stayed there for that amount of time, enjoying that, that pain. But Jesus did that for one reason. For you. For love, for salvation, and for you. And there may be times in our life when we're struggling with, with self-control and God says, look to the cross. Paul, all the way through scripture, encourages to seek the saviour. Seek Jesus. Don't seek the fruit of the spirit. Seek the saviour. Seek knowing Christ. And then, don't try and do things harder. The world tells us you've got to try and do things harder. But it's not about that. It's about knowing who we are. Knowing that you are a child of God and being called to live as a child of God. That's what it's about. Don't seek the fruit. Seek Christ. And then focus on why we need to change. I need to change my life because God loves me so much that Jesus died for me. And then he calls me by name. He whispers in my ear, Pat, Pat, this is what I'm calling you. I'm calling you by name. And then he tells me to put Jesus at the center of all that I am and walk faithfully with him. And that's what he's doing in your life as well. And then we cry out, don't we? I need you, Lord. Have you ever been in that place? I need you. Sometimes I can't even get the words out. It's the cry of the heart. It's, I have nothing, Lord. I need you. There's a brokenness of, of, of spirit, Lord. I just need you. Because if you're not here with me, then I'm in real trouble. And then we're called to crucify the flesh. Paul, throughout scripture, says that, that we are crucified in Christ. And it's a passive voice. It's done to us. It, it's kind of, we are the object. And it's done to us. But here he uses an active voice. He says that we're to crucify the things of the flesh. We're actively to say, this is not what I want in my life. We're to take an active step and say, I do not want this in my life. I do not want this jealousy, this hatred, this whatever it is. I do not want this in my life. I want Christ in my life. I actively will have that. The interesting thing for me is Jesus calls us to take up our cross, but actually Paul's saying, well, use it. Take it to the cross. Use it. And actually what it is, it's about repentance. Repenting of those things that, that separate us from the love of God. And then being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, for me, being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't just about kind of closing my eyes and putting my hands out and going, oh Lord, fill me. It's about saying, Lord, I submit to you. Lord, with every aspect of my life, I submit. I submit my finances. I submit my, my family. I submit my work. And actively, each and every day, saying, Lord, I submit to your will in my life. And then we experience the things of Christ. And then we become people who experience and demonstrate the food of the Spirit into our world. I keep having this phrase, and it might be for me, but it's choosing faith, not fear. Constantly choosing that faith, not fear. Choosing Christ, not self. Choosing Christ over all that I am and choosing to believe and trust in my Saviour. Why? Because Jesus died for us. 
because Jesus loves us and because you and I are called into a relationship with him. Can I encourage us to stand?